What are you talking about? So, welcome back, everybody. We are back at the Choking Hazard podcast. This has been a little like it's good. Everybody's been giving me shit lately because it's been three months and we haven't had a show, but we are back. We're at it. We have a fantastic guest today, which I'm super excited about. We have one of the, I would say, like the founding fathers of Canadian Jiu Jitsu, we would say, especially in the Canadian theme, Professor Shaw Franco with us, because we're looking at a karate champion, we're looking at a crew, but we're also looking at a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu monster mindset individual who's joined us on the show. And we're really excited to have him on here because I know there's a lot of shows he probably could have came on and he came on our show. So we're excited to have him here today. Professor Shaw, how are you doing, sir? It's great to see you again. Uh, I'm doing excellent, Aaron. Thank you guys for having me on the show. I'm pretty excited about it. Like you said, I get a lot of invitations. And <clears throat> I'm guessing the only reason I picked this show is because of you and your sense of humor over the years seeing you. And it's just like telling jokes or anything, just a little quick quip here and there and a, and a quick laugh. And I was like, yeah, that is somebody I could talk to. Yeah, and then, See, Mike, I do have some good jokes. Once in a while. Yeah, exactly. See? <laughs> sometimes lightning strikes twice. But no, uh, Professor Shaw, it's, it's, it's actually a huge honor for us. It's a huge honor, Bernardo Faria voice, all things considered, that uh, we, we're having you on a podcast today because, as Aaron was saying, you are one of the true OGs, not just in Ontario, but in the country when it comes to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, just martial arts in general. Well, I've been around a long time and I've had the opportunity to see um, how things developed and, and it, uh, be one of the first guys around to watch it develop. And while we were doing while we were starting it, we didn't have a clue. We had no clue um, where it was going to go. We thought it was just a fringe thing and it was just a bunch of crazy guys. And then <clears throat> obviously you guys know Jits. And once you start playing Jits and, and understanding the mindset, um, you can't stop doing it. So um, we're I, I was lucky. I think I was lucky um, just at the right point. Yeah, because we're we're just like before we got on air, we were chatting about it. It's like we had the opportunity today, Mike and I, to go see a novice tournament where it's like and like when you say like organization, like pretty organized event. So like Tony like really did a good job setting this thing up to have like coaches the athletes, everybody on time, like running a, like a well-oiled machine, no major issues, weighing people in, doing all that. And like when we, well, like when I first started tournaments, it was like, okay, just go guys. We don't know what, we don't, what time are we fighting? I don't know, five, six, to <laughs> get there at eight o'clock. Like, <laughs> yeah, long days, a lot of long days and a lot of experimentation, I would say from, from the guys organizing it. Um, but it's, it's, it's crazy. I'm a fan. Like right now, Everybody's like, oh, Professor Shaw, you're OG and and you've you've done a lot of stuff. And right now I just consider myself a fanboy of the whole the whole movement, I guess. No, it's awesome. Sure. Um, so I think one of the first things I want to ask you is like you've been involved in karate, Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, you name it. So like just going way, way back for you, like what's your first memory of just like martial arts in general? Like what what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, I think the first thing is uh, I have a couple older brothers. I'm the youngest of uh, 11. 
So I have a couple older brothers who were black belts. I guess they got their black belts in karate um, in the 70s. And, and then they were much older than me. <clears throat> they were older than me. So they, I guess they like, okay, this is what's going on. And my earliest memory is me sort of crying. <laughs> because they were it was rough and i was like what i'm a little kid i'm like what's going on and i could just remember me crying and they weren't hitting me or beating me it was just sort of the martial arts um really military aspect of the way everybody everybody trained back there there was no questions it was just like it's like the movies everybody mm-hmm. thought that's the way to to do it and i think it came from uh, the japanese university karate system where um, it was very brutal and uh, a lot of guys got hurt and it was a lot of testosterone. So I think that was everybody's idea of martial arts. So when I was a little kid, I just remember crying in class with my brothers. Yeah, like, and I, I could see that, especially because like, I remember doing karate like when I was very young, where it was like five, five through 10, I think it was, I did karate. And it was again, very strict. Like it's very, that's, they've kept that mindset for the longest time up until like, I guess not so much now, but it's still very strict to like, and I remember it's like, yeah, it's, this is rough. I don't want to be here. (laughs) Yeah, that, that was it. Um, And then uh, after that, I I really went to uh, uh, Takamasa Okiyama who is I think he's he's still teaching he's in his 80s and he's still teaching and um that's pretty like around 12 12 13 years old and then I I I became a competitive karate player from about 15 to about 30 and I at a at a tournament I think in Los Angeles a friend said um hey I got some tickets for a hoist Gracie class and I was like, oh, what? Really? And he goes, yeah, I got, I just got some tickets. So the day before we went to the tournament uh, or had to fight at the tournament, we we're like, let's check this out. So we went and I met Hoist, who's the nicest man on the planet, like, like a gentleman. And he was just, just the UFC champion at the time. And, and when you see the whole UFC at the beginning, you figure, okay, these guys are going to be some rough guys and all you think when you meet Hoyce if you've ever met Hoyce you're like this guy is a true gentleman um and um from there from there once once I did that class I think it was in 92 or 94 in in around there once I Mm -hmm. did that class I was like that's it that's it throw these karate geese away (laughs) I'm, I'm going I'm going over this way and um at the time I decided to to switch to doing more BJJ, I think I was the the national champion, the, the captain of the mm-hmm. national team. And karate is a big, uh, uh, like a big sport. It's an Olympic sport now, or was yeah. an Olympic sport, I think. For I the think last it Olympics. was. I don't know if it is right now. Yeah, I don't think it been... is anymore. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of politics on that. Anyway, and then once I found it, I said, okay, I need to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, 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 and somehow everybody from the original group got together at my place and just found each other and it was on. Was there like any backlash over you going like, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this karate stuff behind, or I'm going to leave, leave this martial art and go to another one. Uh, was there any like backlash from that? Or was anybody like, Hey, like what's this guy doing? Like, he's he's, he's um, not going to do karate anymore. He's going to do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Like what's up with this? Well, my thought was this, I was like, 
guys, I'm the best karate guy out here in Canada. And I was one of the best players in the world. <clears throat> I was like a premier player. And I was, my thought was like, guys, if the best guy is like, look at Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like, just take a look at it. It's awesome. Like, this is, this is science, true science. Take a look at it and add it to your, your karate. And I thought people were like, <laughs> gonna go, sure, that makes sense. But they didn't. They were like, um, no, we're not down with that. And you were a, uh, basically a traitor. And my, my thought was I, I, I wanted to have karate represented in MMA because as the BJJ was going on, at the same time, the MMA were like in the middle. All of a sudden, we're fighting pro fights and we're traveling all over the world. Uh, so my, my thing was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to represent karate. You guys hate me now because I'm a, uh, I do BJJ and I got a, there was a big backlash and and a lot of guys um, a lot of guys couldn't look me in the face if I went to a tournament or something they'd be like kind of disgusted and you're like yeah whatever dude it's okay uh, but yeah there was some backlash on that so when you kind funny. of re- sorry go ahead Mike it's it's funny just like listening to that where it's like oh like I'm gonna not where it's like hey like I'm gonna Brazilian jiu-jitsu to my striking or I'm going to add Brazilian jiu-jitsu to my karate or Muay Thai. Isn't that, isn't that basically like Emmett May now? Yeah, that's, that's, exa- that's exactly what absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Because you're literally doing the exact same thing that you were doing in the early 90s and just everybody's like, oh, no, you have to do karate and karate only. Meanwhile, you know, mixed martial arts is like not really a thing yet and you're, here you are, like probably one of the first people to go, hey, wait a minute, like Maybe if I learn some of this stuff on the ground, it'll actually complement what I'm doing standing up. That's basically MMA. Absolutely. That's that's absolutely what I thought. Um, I've got to mention also, uh, Mr. Okiyama, who's who's like a 10th dan in karate and like uh, has a lineage back to Taksho University, which is the who's who of martial arts in Japan. And he's he's one of the guys that organized pancreation tournaments. Hmm. So even even a very old uh, karate master was like, no, this is the way to go. But the sports guys, and I was like, uh, you, it's sport culture. So just think about BJJ sport culture, where you see the same faces and you become sort of a family. Uh, it, it had the same thing. So if you have, say, who's the best guy in Ontario right now that everybody looks up to when he's in the gym and everybody's like, that's the guy, man, it's the man. And it, I mean, that guy changes all all the time as it should. But there's always somebody in the gym. You're like, that's the guy, man. And he and, and this is a great society. And I love being part of this. This is fucking great. And uh, I was that guy in karate. And I was like, oh, no, I got to do BJJ. And, and that's how it went. So kind of when you kind of made that decision and you're like, okay, I'm this is the route I'm going. And then you organically got these group of guys together to start going. Was the, the original plan to, to in could it for like fighting so like mma or was it more like i'm gonna just gonna do this brazilian jiu-jitsu thing and then it's organically grown into fighting um that's a good question um i think what we what we i i met uh master silvio bearing um just when the whole thing was happening i got introduced because of a friend from uh, winnipeg they had uh bob mcroberts uh dr bill sutherland um uh, Joe Dirksen, mm-hmm. uh, Curtis Brigham, that group over there were bringing him out. And then he just happened, somebody just said, hey, just stop past 
uh, Shaw Franco's place. And then we were doing jujitsu, but we weren't doing jujitsu. We were kind of just grappling. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like uh, we weren't, uh, for me, Brazilian jujitsu is the self-defense system of uh, the Gracie brothers. And that's how I approached it. I was like, oh, because I wanted to know what worked in a fight. That was my number one thing. What really works? Oh, the karate is great. And I thought, and we were like, oh, the karate kid. And you you could do this for real. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wait a second. Guys are wrestling out there. So I did a lot of judo as a kid. So I already sort of had an idea. So And that was a good advantage I had in karate because I'd take guys down a lot. And I, I you can't really do a, a two-handed judo throw in karate, in sport mm-hmm. karate. You can you can do it like a one-handed throw. The other hand has to be free. I don't know what that rule is about, but that's that's the way it is. Um, so I already had an idea. And on top of that, my karate teacher himself was like, listen, you got to do more stuff. And I think if you go, his name is Concho Okiyama. If you go on his Instagram or TikTok, he's got like like 100,000 followers or something. And he, he said, even back in the day in Tokyo, in the universities, the guys from different clubs would get together and fight. So he said the the boxing team and then the karate team and the judo team and the wrestling team, they would get together and they'd have these sort of secret, let's see w- what happens. So I think what I was doing was just natural and just common sense. And when you look at look at it from this point of view now, you're like, yeah, that just makes sense. But back mm-hmm. in the day, it looked like a bunch of crazy dudes. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of guys just fucking like beating the shit out of each other. What the hell did I walk into? Yeah, and then Fight Club came out. <laughs> of course which which didn't help a lot so uh but yeah the 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 cro- i think the karate was uh, a big part of the original group because i could give that to the group mm-hmm. um and i could give a lot of striking to the group but the group came like sean pearson was six in the world at greco roman at the time adrian woolley who i just watched corner like three guys in the ufc yesterday or three fighters in the ufc and mm-hmm. got three wins in, in vancouver um and uh Vagdi fabiano mark bocek like everybody was showing up on the mats just just showing up and it was just sort of a a, a happening as the best way to say it was a happening and everybody was like okay it's happening here and then i think all all sort of clubs a uh, uh, big club small clubs it's like a a, a small little uh time slot that you get with mm-hmm. with magic and you felt it and and that's what people are trying to create when they have a club they, they need that camelot Let's make Camelot. The Camelot doesn't happen, stay forever. It happens for a certain point. People grow and they have to move on and you got kids and you're like, oh, I can't show up and I can't commit and and, and, it, and it dies. But for a little while, for a good, I would say about almost 14 years, 12 to 14 years, the guys were like on it. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's sort of like, okay, we're older now. We've, we're, we're having kids. We've got to, We've got to start our own dojos. We've got to go our own way. And, and watching the whole process happen was was pretty fantastic. So uh, Aaron wants to know, and you can uh, change the names to protect the innocent. He wants to know about some of those uh, sessions that were going on in the 90s of some of the some of the craziness that that was uh, happening back in the day. So uh, number, I'll, I'll ask two. This is a two part question. Number one. 
what are some of the craziest things you've seen? You could change the names to protect the innocent. And number two, I want to know is when Aaron showed up, how did that go? <laughs> and um, I think, first of all, I'm I'm gonna give a name. Uh, it's Justin Brookman. Mm. And uh, yeah. well, back in the day, he was known as as Lofi, and, and he is just. Man, I'm I'm like a uh, such a big fan. I've been a fan from the the day he walked into the gym and go, this guy is on it. Uh, I think one of those stories is is Justin Breckman and I, we were in Tokyo and we just arrived, but somehow they made us come to the airport and they go, oh, your flight's not today, it's tomorrow, and we're like, the ticket says, and they kind of we got messed around, so it was an extra day of flying to Tokyo, and we were tired when we got in, and. Uh, I'm a bad sleeper. I'm an insomniac, so I don't sleep a lot. But uh, Justin was, you know, he's trying to make get ready to make weight. And you fly in, it's really hard to make weight after flying that long. Like your body just holds on to the water. And um, so we go to Tokyo, Tokyo Green Hotel, and we get there and it's near the Kodokan. And it's like, man, you're just like, this is a dream. This is fantastic. And, but we're tired. And we get up to the third floor in our room and we go in our room. And we sort of, the rooms are very small in, in Tokyo. Like you can touch the other guy on his bed. You're like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and, and we're like, we're kind of checking everything out. Oh, there's some robes and little slippers. And it's very Tokyo. And we start settling down. And Justin passes out after about, about an hour of just like, okay, after you get rid of that traveling shake. And we're just sitting there and I was reading and he's sleeping and and the door was ajar. We didn't think to close it. And this this naked Japanese dude walked in. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Yep. I can't even that's the best way to describe it. Naked Japanese gentleman walked in. And he and he's and so we've got these two small beds, and he's standing like right in the middle at the foot of our beds. And then I sort of look at the guy and he looks at me and I'm I'm frozen <laughs> what is happening dude and I reach over and I sort of nudge Lofi Justin I Lof, Lof, Lof. and Lof gets up he looks at the guy he looks at me and he goes back to sleep <laughs> like it didn't affect him at all and then and then the guy looked at me and the guy looked at me and then he bowed and then he left <laughs> there's no punchline to the it's no punchline to the story that was it and to this day i have a feeling they were just sort of fucking with us <laughs> and i can't i can't say for sure i can't say for sure but i was like i could just because we were just so tired i was like how would you mess a guy up after messing him up on the flight and so we got all paranoid uh nothing happened the guy walked out uh if you ask Lofi about that story, he he'll tell you. Like, yeah. And but he didn't change. It was like, I'm asleep, dude. You deal with that. <laughs> I gotta fight tomorrow. This is you're my manager. You deal with this crap. I'm not dealing with it. She's like, it's all you, it's all you, dude. And and uh that and yeah, there was a lot of story. There was like a lot of back in the day, we'd go and sort of barnstorm down in, in Indiana and Wisconsin. And you could pick up a couple fights in a night at like a bar in a cage. <laughs> so there was there was a lot of that where you're just like, guys, you, you get two wins on your record. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was counted because back in the day there was tournaments. There was like it wasn't like okay, it was like okay, we're gonna you're gonna match up and win a tournament. Uh so there was a lot of fighting like that, and there was a lot of meeting sort of special people along the way that um that just really you I, I remember like they're yesterday interviewing them, talking to them. Um and I remember this one girl named Stephanie Bobo. And she was from the Midwest and she was uh tattooed from head to toe. Because you gotta remember this these dudes weren't trained athletes. A lot of these guys were just like hard, hard people who were like, I'll I'll fight, I'll fight for money. Uh, so there was a lot of that, and and I just remember this this girl Stephanie Bobo, who was tattooed from head to toe, looked like a supermodel. She's about 110 pounds, and uh, she fought the promoter, who I think is still a promoter out there. And she, I think she eye gouged the promoter. Jesus the Christ! I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, and that's the best way to describe it. It wasn't it wasn't a professional sport. It was just crazy barnstorming uh crazy moments i remember uh one show got canceled and a lot of furniture got thrown out of the the hotel windows <laughs> it was like you know those those stories where you have rock bands go in and they trash a room yeah well that was one of those where the guys were like oh well we're not getting paid we trained six six eight weeks for this we're not getting paid yeah they snapped and yeah. that was one of the earlier days and then um, that got worked out pretty good yeah, then they're like, okay, they got to start doing shows for sure. <laughs> like, you got to give them something. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty crazy back in the day. Um, and and like I say, now what I I watch is so professional. And the tournaments, all the 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 small shows, like the small grappling shows, those are amazing. Just watching guys go out and getting pumped for it, and and, and just you know, you got a normal life. You're working. You're you're dealing with the kids and everything, but you get to tap into that warrior on those shows. And I think, I think those things are wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. It's back in the day was definitely the wild west versus now it's a lot more, even just like amateur jiu-jitsu competitions, like me and Aaron were just at one earlier today. And it's, you know, it's a lot more organized. You basically know up until like the minute when you're going to go out there and compete, when you're weighing in, there's stories of being, there's even stories of like back in the day where it's like, all right, you're going to show up to the venue at 9 a.m. You might not be fighting till like 10 at night. Oh, my gosh. Yes, there was there was times, I believe, uh, uh, Jocelyn's tournament. There was some of those midnight fights. <laughs> yeah, and, and Rolling up the mats was, and there's still guys going. Yeah, nobody was yeah. mad. Like nobody got upset about it. Nobody was like, oh, we're getting, you know, it was just part of what it was. But to see the guys get so professional, so organized, even even uh, at the worlds and stuff, the organization is just like world class sports. Mm. Well, I think it's what it's Aaron. Doing. Sorry. So, Aaron, um, I want to I want to segue a little bit here. Um, oh, segue. Okay, so, segue away. So, 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 Professor Shaw, with all due respect, did you know Aaron is a one and O amateur? Oh, amateur yes, fighter? a one and O. <laughs> Would you? Aaron's one and zero as an amateur MMA fighter. Aaron, would you like to tell two stories real quick to Professor Shaw? Number one, the story of your one and zero amateur MMA fight, and number mm. two, the time you went to uh, was it Inner City MMA or what, no, what no, was the, no. What was, which was the MMA uh, session that you attended? 
uh, well, with Professor uh, Shaw. Okay. So, I, Professor, I don't remember the name of the school at the time. So it was the one on Laird. Um, it was in the upper. I, which one yeah, was that? I think, uh, that was, I think, I, I, there was just Shaw Franco Martial Arts, I think. I think time. that's all it was, right? I think it was Shaw Franco yeah. Martial Arts. It was, it was up on the upstairs and whatever. Yeah, so. yeah it was uh, um, in Lee Side, up in the upstairs. Yeah, upstairs, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember this to this day, like, to and again, love these training sessions that we would have, and we'd have the opportunity to go there because I remember we were doing um, uh, competition classes. So Professor Marco was doing the competition classes, and so we would have you guys would have your MMA striking um, at like se seven o'clock or eight o'clock, and then we do the competition class after, right? And then you were nice of us, nice enough to let us. Okay, if you guys want to come into sparring classes, you can start coming to sparring classes, and I was like, okay. This is great. I'll get some, I'm sure, uh, uh, extra opportunity to to spar with some of the individuals. It'll be fun, right? No problem. I really appreciated that. However, <laughs> so I don't know if uh, one day there was maybe I came and I pissed uh, Seiji or Hammer off or something like that during the class, and they leg kick the shit out of me so fucking hard. For the entire rounds, <laughs> round over round, I switched stance, they kicked the shit out of me. And it was just like, oh God, I'm, this is not meant for me at all. But, and, then, and then I go to do the competition jujitsu class after. I was like, okay, cool. No problem. By the end of that class, I couldn't walk. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to drive my stick car all the way back to Mississauga because I'm all the way out in Leaside. And so this is going to be an interesting drive. And so by the time I got home, <laughs> my legs were so like, you know, filled with blood from all oh, the, yeah. oh yeah, that I had and just driving. Cause it was like at least a 45 minute drive. Right. Like, so it's just like going from like hot to cold, everything, <laughs> crawl up my stairs, go in my shower, sit down in my shower. And I'm like basically crying because I can't fucking move. <laughs> my wife <laughs> walks in. She's like, um, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm really not. <laughs> like, I don't think this striking thing's for me. So MMA is out. <laughs> well, I've, I've had those days. I've had those days. <laughs> like, oh my God. My wife's like, what, what is, what is happening? I'm like, I don't know. I think I went too hard. I always, <laughs> I'm always like, I think I went too hard with the, with the guys today. Uh, but I could see that with Hammer. Is a, he's a big guy. He oh, hits really he's just, hard. Just fucking truck. It yeah, and, like... and and Seiji's his striking was very his top notch. I think he got a lot of kudos for his grappling, and he's a great grappler and a a, a very good black belt. But his his striking was very good. He had um, what we call the Japanese hips, like he could just pop his leg up like it was nothing. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I could see you getting leg kicked by those guys. Because and on top of it, they're mean guys. They're mean spirited guys. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh no. Like exactly. Like wonderful people off the mats, right? Where like oh, they yeah. are just nice people. Like they're they have all the time and day for you to just speak or talk or do whatever. But when it they're the individuals, and again, it's those people that just know how to turn a switch on, right? Yeah. And they are just two of those individuals are just like nope. The the match is on. The competition's on. I'm not a nice person right now. And and that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. It's great to have that. But man, you just don't want to be on the wrong side of that. <laughs> well, uh, I was told I always told the guys that I tell my students all the time, I don't mind if you hurt each other, as long as you don't injure each other. Exactly. 
Yeah, as long as the guy can go yeah. and, and, and he can get his stuff done and he can pick up his kids and have a good time, uh, that's great. And and you could, uh, I've, yeah, when you get a lot of shots and you're just like, oh, 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 and then after that, you're like, oh, that's great. But w- when you just, crying's not good. That's not good. Yeah. And then again, like, and here's the thing, I didn't get injured at all. It was just, it just beat the fuck out of me. Right. Yeah, and oh, I, was, yeah. I walked out of there. <laughs> like, For sure. And, I think and, it was just Aaron, the fact that Aaron's uh, MMA career just went up in smoke. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay. He's like, I'm going to transition to MMA. And then after that, night, he's like, nope, fuck this. <laughs> MMA, those guys are the, the pro guys. If you've seen MMA guys, uh, like top level MMA guys, you know that they've genetically a little different. Yeah, they have. <laughs> their heads are bigger. Their hands are bigger. Uh, they're they're they they're built for it. Like they found what they're meant for. And like not everybody can take hard shots or needs to take hard shots to enjoy martial arts. But I I, I get yeah because I've been hammered so many times that I'm like, what is going on? Why am I letting this happen? Yeah. Are they- and, and I can see, especially like, and I, like, and even in you as a coach, obviously watching these individuals grow, I mean, like, how did you know when like, was the appropriate time to like, okay, how do I push them more? How do I pull them back? Because you're trying to train for the, again, again, we're not playing a, a soft sport here. We're playing a very physically demanding, dangerous sport that can cause injuries and you trying to get the best out of your athlete. So it's like, how do you, how did you know when to pull on the reins to, or, and then when to let them free? Um, I think a lot of it is self-guided. So um, when I was a younger coach uh, and I was competing and coaching, um, our, our, our whole idea was, uh, and again, very traditional Japanese, go as hard as you can in every workout. And I think even, even now, uh, a lot of guys go too hard. Um, and, and even back day when we, it's funny because a lot of the guys, uh, from other, other gyms were like, well, you guys don't spar full out. You don't, you don't do what they call hard sparring, which is chuck as hard as you can just gear up and chuck as hard as you can. Um, and, and the guys, we, because of the karate, you know, to have a little more control, have a little more relaxed, which is probably what it's more like now when you see guys spar in in even um muay thai gyms in in canada they're they're not going all out guys like um max holloway he's like yeah man just take it easy you don't have to spar hard you have to spar a lot you know what i mean and then to step in with a bunch of savages off your first day Mm -hmm. um and they're not going to give you they're not going to step back for sure they're just going to turn it on you but after a while you start it's like when you're rolling with guys and you're not used to them it gets a little it gets a little rough and hard at the beginning but you start to get used to each other and then it becomes really technical and then you really know the guy's game and you're just like okay this is great we're just going to tumble into stuff so if you had more time with the guys to spar with i'm sure it would have it would have went easier than that but like that was a hard way to start off (laughs) Like that's, that's no joke. Like when you get hammered in your legs, like getting baseball batted in the leg. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so that, yeah. So, but it, it, they sh- it should be when you're sparring, it shouldn't be that hard. There should be like a couple hard sessions every once in a while. So I used to like, just watch the guys, see if they sort of self guide themselves. Cause a lot of times 
I mean, I, I think, it's, in my opinion, I think most competitive fighters are very intelligent people. And they have to be to, to, to figure this game out on the fly. Like it's very, like you said, very demanding, very dangerous. So you have to figure it out on the fly. And that kind of mentality, the guy or, or girl can self-guide a lot where you just like, just sit back. And then at the right moment, you're just like, hey, man, pull back on the gas or, hey, you got to pick it up. So a lot of it was just me watching uh, a bunch of intelligent people who are researching and studying themselves and then try to be a guide. I, I, in that group, that original group, I can't look at myself as a, a, a real instructor to those guys. I have to look at myself as, as being lucky as a, a, a guide or a, a coach, a coaching influence to go, hey, let's go a little more this way or a little more that way. And even when I was running classes, um, a lot of times we just get into okay we're just we're, we're fighting we're just gonna fight we're gonna fight for for months get it just you're not coming to do anything but fight stop shut up there's no one get up you better be warm when you're on there because this is happening mm -hmm. so we went through months of that and then i would have the other guys come up to me and go hey professor shaw <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we gear down and go hey thanks for letting me know guys because i'm trying to push it as much as i can and then getting feedback from the guys, which I got, because again, I'll, every fighter that I've dealt with, not everyone, but in general, most fighters are very intelligent, very communicative. They can, they can tell you what they want and all you gotta do is listen to them. And then sometimes you gotta give them a little poke and go, hey man, you're being lazy or what's, what's up with your weight, dude? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who, who, uh, so who are some of the people that like back in the day probably impressed you the most just with like their, maybe like their grit, determination, technique. And then also just as a follow-up, like who do you see today is like, Hey, like this, this is a person that's like, you know, they really know when to turn it up, dial it down, like their training's on point. Like they just, they just get like the fight game. Like who are some of the people you've seen, you know, training with you previously. And then there's some people now that you see, you're like, Oh, this person gets it. Um, man, there's so much out there now. It's just like if you just you flick through Instagram or TikTok, there's so much information. The level is so high uh, that you're watching all these guys just come up with so much information. Um, for BJJ, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the Mendez brothers and the Meow brothers. Uh, I like smaller guys. I like watching them. Uh, I, I I think they're great. I there's this one girl. I think she just got her black belt. She's like 18. Uh, Shelby, is it Shelby something? And I follow her and she is one of the best BJJ coaches I've seen. She's got to be about 17 or 18 year old uh, young lady from the Mendez brothers. And I can't remember her, her handle right now or her TikTok or, or Instagram handle, but I, I'm a big fan of hers. Um, when it comes to MMA, um, who I've been watching lately in, in MMA it's like all all I, the the level of the women has impressed me in MMA because if you look from the level of striking and and, and proficiency in MMA from women for just even five years ago six years ago it was it's totally different yeah 100%. The girls are, yeah the girls are are MMA has come up so fast and so hard uh, and those girls <laughs> those girls are sharp as anything uh, so I'm, I'm impressed with that. Uh, back in the day, the one guy that, that 
everybody I know says is made out of something different. I don't know what they made this guy out of it, but that's got to be Richard Nanku. Okay. The monkey. Oh, monkey. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dominic like, Richard. Wait a second, I know this guy. <laughs> Macaquino Safado. Yeah, <laughs> Richard Nanku, because um, his, his mental, I, I, I don't know if, if he's going to... I don't think he's going to care that I, I tell you a story. This, but this is really, in a nutshell, his attitude towards training. He was training and training, and he's rolling with everybody. And he doesn't care how big you are, how he's just rolling with you. And, and, and if you needed to tap, he'll tap. But he wouldn't tap easy. So I think he was rolling with somebody. I can't remember who it was. And he got put to sleep on the mats. And I, I can't remember. It was somebody he shouldn't have. He was, he was just experimenting with something. And he got put to sleep on the mats. And then he got up. And then he went, he, he, he left the mats, came back with his, his uh, with a, another, another gear, uh, sorry, another pair of gi pants, like a different pair of gi pants, took the old pair and wiped up the puddle of piss that was on the spot, took those, put it in his bag, slapped the guy's hand, knuckled up and kept rolling. Didn't, <laughs> yeah, didn't skip a beat, wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't embarrassed, wasn't, uh, it didn't, it didn't throw him at all. He was just like, this is what I'm doing. And I've seen him do stuff like that over and over and over again, where he's like, you just watch him and he's so focused that it, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. So he, uh, back in the day, him, uh, like all the guys, Justin Bruckman was a beast. Uh, Antonio Carvalho, savage. Uh, Sean Pearson, savage. Uh, Adrian Woolley. Uh, Wagney Fabiano used to come out and bang with us. And I'm a huge Wagney Fabiano fan. I think uh, I think his, his jiu-jitsu is great, and I think he's a wonderful guy. Um, but that, old, that original group, uh, Joe Dorkson uh, from out west, mm -hmm. man. That guy was, that guy is made out of something different also. He's a beast. Um, all the guys from TriStar. It was, it's funny because uh, George, it, it was just like hanging out with, with the guys that you play hockey with. And George would, we'd all just hang out and George would hang out and, and he, he, you know, we'd just be like guys that competed together. Uh, so George was always a big inspiration for us, but there's, there's so many, I, I, I'm just, I think I'm just a huge fan of the whole, uh, MMA world, BJJ, Muay Thai. Like I just jump around from watching all of this happen and, and, and being a student and learning, learning a bunch of new stuff from people. So, so when you kind of look at like the evolution, obviously from where it's been, where, where it is now today, like what, what are kind of like the things that you kind of want to see or like, or even think that might even happen with, and I would even put that across the, the aspects of like the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world and also the MMA world. Because obviously you see like the UFC and all these, again, other competitive, trying to get more mainstream. Like you see UFC basically has an event every month, no matter what, every single time now. It's slowly growing and growing. Like what, what are your concepts of like things you'd like to see, whether it's, between the fighters, between the organizations, I don't know. I think uh, first, I'd like to actually uh, see. I'd like to see a distinction between the three forms of jujitsu that I believe exist now. 
Uh, one, it being sport BJJ, which a lot of people enjoy. Two, being uh, MMA BJJ, uh, grappling or no-gi grappling. Uh, and, and, and then traditional jujitsu. Yeah. And, and, and right for me and, and for the longest while, that's been the the thing that I enjoyed the most. So, uh, watching, watching guys compete and seeing all the the stuff, I watch little kids do stuff that we would just, what? (laughs) I just watch a little girl, a five-year-old girl do like a, a balloon spinning arm bar kind of deal on another little girl and pull it off and knew what she was doing. I, I, I watch a couple little kids who are, I don't know, four or five years old drilling on stuff. So the, the level uh, of, of BJJ has gone up, but they're not making these distinctions. Like the sport BJJ guys always say, well, we teach self-defense. And, uh, <laughs> and you're like, well, you know it, but you, there's no way to be a sport guy and, and throw your time into self-defense. Well, you know the other sport guys not doing that. How are you going to spend an hour a day while the other guys shooting doubles an hour a day? So obviously you're going to be like, well, uh, it's part of of the lineage of sport BJJ, but it's not what it is now. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I think that's great. Like I watch the 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 new style of BJJ, uh, the new grappling style. It's it's wonderful. I I I think you. I think that's the right direction to go. Just keep on chasing that. But the other people who are like, I want to study jujitsu, self-defense. I want to study the concepts. I want to know how to address somebody, when uh, verbally address them when they attack me. That whole other different education that the Gracies uh, and the traditional families from Brazil have hung on to. I'm always like, well, why did they hang on to it? Why did they go that way and not totally sport? So I think if you get a little older and investigate and go, oh, I see why they did it that way. But um, being a sport guy from from karate days, I could totally understand 100%. You're like, I don't have time for self-defense. I don't have time. This is what wins and follow that. But I'd like to see that distinction and people sort of uh, have that instead of everybody going, well, we all do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and we're all the same. Mm-hmm. I like. I, I'd like to see Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys who are like, this is a non-competitive BJJ club. Yeah, okay. I'd like guys to be brave enough to go, man. I I, I like to teach self-defense. I like to teach this, and and, and if you want to go compete, there's a guy right down the road. He's great, and they go to tournaments all the time, and and that's the way to go. But I'd like to also see guys just say, listen, you can defend yourself. You can do classes. It doesn't have to. <laughs> you don't have to grapple. Uh, mm-hmm. all the time, you know, you still have to know how to roll if you're a BJJ guy, no matter what, but what context is the guy trying to hit you? Is he trying to punch you? Uh, you know what I mean? A lot of the stuff that's not being addressed in sport BJJ and shouldn't be addressed in sport BJJ has nothing to do with sport BJJ, but other people want to practice that form. And I think that's, I think that's fine. And then this whole sort of new, uh, no gi, I got a juice to the nines. It's a whole different. <laughs> I think I think it's Aaron's current favorite type of BJJ right now. <laughs> well, you know what? I'd like to. I like. I, I'm. I'm trying to mix them. So I. I was thinking about teaching self defense, but juicing while I teach self defense. So I'm really <laughs> totally yoked when I'm out there. Grab my neck. <laughs> 
Grab my neck. <laughs> you can't grab it. I think, I think there should be like a world championship in like <laughs> in that self defense portion, and then you should just be allowed to take whatever you want. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. So, uh, um, I hope that I hope I got around to, to today's stars like Gordon Ryan. I don't know what's the Italian kid that fights in one. Oh, Mike Mutumeci. Yeah, I like that kid. I think that that guy's got some good skills. Uh, but man, you always have to watch who's coming up. All those young kids coming up, they're they're way ahead of the group that was ahead of them. Well, yeah, yeah, like exactly what you're saying. Because like we're seeing kids do stuff that was like a, not even a thought process when, like, yeah. even when I was being instructed by yourself or even Miss uh, Master Silvio Baring or all these other individuals before me. That wasn't even a thought process because it, we didn't one not athletic enough or we hadn't even thought about those types of things now. And now that that group is now grown up and they're slowly there's so much more to the table that's not oh, yeah. more available. It's, it's, it's incredible. I uh, some of the guys who have gone in that direction. Some guys went in um, the MMA direction, but guys like uh, Professor Marco Costa, he's he he's zoned in on that he's like okay sport bj and he was one of the first guys and i believe even back in the day we're like marco's the coach guy for bjj i don't know how that i don't know how that happened but way back in the day we were like okay marco's the guy for 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 sport bjj and he's got a good mind for it where um i think the other guys were more mma they're mma jujitsu and, and monkey is that bridge because he 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 can he can do both. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah. watching watching the the guys specifically play sports, which is a totally different science, I think, than than just okay, you got regular Gracie Jiu Jitsu for self defense, like the Valente brothers and those guys. But the sport BJJ right now is is man, I love it. I love it. I love it by the path. I think I think one important question. I think we you touched on it a lot already, but like, do you feel that like there's been like a bit of a loss? Because like, let's say if you're focusing entirely on sport and kind of the primary reason that I would say like you and maybe a lot of others got into like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to like, all right, well, what's going to work in an actual fight? Like, how am I actually going to defend myself? You brought up the Valente brothers. I think they're probably one of the the one of the main examples of like like teaching that self-defense i guess style of jiu-jitsu do you think it's kind of missing in a lot of places or basically as you said like you know if you want to just stick in like hey i want to just teach sport jiu-jitsu that's cool or i just want to teach mma jiu-jitsu that's cool do you feel like a play like an academy needs to teach a little bit of all three a combination of all three or just focus on one like what's your what's your take on that um, I think I think you have to really base it on on the group that you're trying to 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 bring together. So if 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 I'm if I open a school and my interest is is self defense, I'm just gonna, I'm going to get people who do self defense. And if my, if I do sp all sport, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get the sport guys. So it's it's how you want to balance it out. I think. A lot of the sport clubs, what they what they can do, I think they should do sport 100 percent and and forget about self-defense BJJ. Now that's uh, I'm a self-defense guy. I consider myself a old school self-defense. We did it because we wanted to know what worked in the fight. My my uh, professor, Mastery Silvio Bering, he's one of the top self-defense guys on the planet. 
and he's and, and I consider him like a brother. So I'm a self-defense guy saying, if you're doing sport, just do sport, focus on that sport and win and be the best, put all your heart into that society, into that culture and do that. And then if I was running a school and I was that guy who had a great sport BJJ team, I would just run courses for self-defense. I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't try to do both. I would have a 12 week course twice a week uh, or a six week course uh, twice a week, 12, 12 classes cost you this much, come in, we're gonna show you how to deal with aggression in certain ways, uh, on the ground, standing aggression, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and keep that separate because your sports guys shouldn't have to be required to do that if they're gonna be sport guys. I think that's what, one of the reasons the Brazilians have the, the white bar is like, I'm a sport guy. Uh, and if I keep that white bar on, on I can't get stripes, can't get stri white stripes on a white bar. So if I'm a sport guy, I have to win my next belt by representing on the mats. Uh, so I think if, if the sports guys, instead of going, well, we, we're just going to touch self-defense all the time, just basically hold courses for people that want self-defense in a shorter term. So the guy goes, okay, that's what I want. And that will probably help the school by drawing guys who feel it. Once you feel it and you guys have felt it, once you feel it, you're like, oh, I need more of this. Yeah. And then that guy will go into the sport, but having the sport guys have to go, okay, guys, now we do the self-defense. I got to tell you, I've, I've done a lot of gradings with master Silvio Berry, and this guy has the best eye. And he would watch guys do their self-defense demonstration and he could, almost down to the day get it how many times how how much they practice so we'd show up at a big grading and a bunch of guys would go through their self-defense and he'd look at me and from the side of his mouth say uh two weeks and then he would look at this guy and he goes oh no that guy one week that guy hardly practiced so it's a lot of people trying to stuff the self-defense in because they got to get it for the grading and, and and the guys who are grading them like these guys aren't even doing it, but they're doing it for us now. You know what I mean? So, um, I think that should be. I think it should be separate. I think uh, you should keep that and have that as different courses, but don't have to force your competitors into that because the other guys are competing against don't have to deal with it. They've gotten mm -hmm. past. It. Mm -hmm. So I th I think when uh, Silvio Baring was grading Aaron at a time. Oh, uh, he probably whispered to prevent, probably whispered to you, and maybe about 20 minutes he was practicing. Yeah, about 20 minutes. About <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> and, it's, and it's funny because so, some of the guys, they would do terrible self-defense and then they'd have great rolling. You, you, yeah, of course, you guys are rolling. You love the rolling, sure. And then and then you'd see them try to force it because they had to, because mm. this the tradition of it. And it was the same way for karate is, uh, oh, you got to do your forms. You got to do your forms. And then you go to international competition. You're like, these guys aren't doing forms. <laughs> these guys are fighting. These guys are just training body mechanics for that position. So, um, yeah, I, I think the self-defense, uh, I think it's different now. I don't think you... I don't think you need the self-defense to say that you're a BJJ black belt. In the, in the Back in the day... You needed that. If you couldn't show uh, a Brazilian master that you knew the self-defense and you knew it well, um, they wouldn't give you the belt.
Yeah, no, I, I remember that kind of being the the standard, right? And that was, it didn't matter who you were. You had to show your self-defense. You, if you still wanted to get grading, everybody got graded. You still had to show self-defense that you could do it. But again, you would be a really good roller. And I remember watching like four-stripe white belt and it'd be a, a purple belt. And this guy's not practicing at all. I can't even <laughs> do like, God, fuck. I had to do this shit and he's not doing nothing. Like, <laughs> I remember those days. Like everybody's watching. And again, like, that was the process back then. So you don't question it. But then now that we got, and again, like anything you grow, right. And now the times kind of change. It's like, yeah, you, it's too hard to slam all the stuff in there. Right. And it, it depends on what, how successful you want your school, your students to be, whether it's a sport or if it's a self-defense school. And I think that's where instructors really need to look themselves in the mirror and be like, okay, what type of school do I want to be? Yeah, I think that's it. And, and, like I said, the, the only answer I could come out with is, uh, or come up with is um, get some short courses, teach some short courses. And even if you're, even if you're a total sport guy, you can always hire somebody mm-hmm. who's a specialist to, to do that. Yeah. To come in and do that and, and, and watch and learn and, and make sure the guy knows what he's doing. And, and it's not just a guy. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Because if you, if you follow the Gracie self-defense system, it's exact uh it makes sense it makes sense if you start to play with it if you if you move this way or you move that way if you can if you can remember your first self-defense form somebody grabs your neck and you kind of duck under do that little duck under of a choke uh or or the guys from behind he grabs you and you bow over and and you choke uh, or throw the guy over if you study it long enough this is why they have it. And this is what I figured out over so many years. If you study it long enough, it comes back to ground technique. If you can, tr- you can translate a lot of the self-defense into stuff that's happening on the ground. You just have to be uh, willing, willing to go through the experimentation, not just the rote. Like a lot of guys like, oh, do this and that's it. And you, but if you play jujitsu with it, if the guy grabs me, <clears throat> From behind and I bend over and throw him over but he's smarter next day he comes back just like rolling and I try to throw him over but he's felt it before so he pulls him back okay so I step back I pivot out and I drop him again okay he comes back again but he's smarter the next day just like a, a roller uh, this time when I step back he's going to switch his stance or he's going to come around and it's if you start playing your self-defense like that and really experimenting and really sticking with the choke and go i'm going to choke you no matter what and you can experiment with it enough you end up on the ground a lot of the times and you end up doing the jits so uh saying saying to people listen don't do self-defense if you're a competitive guy is against my uh better judgment but it's smart because I, I would love everybody to do self-defense. I, I I love to see that. I love to see old school Gracie bearing jujitsu practiced by a lot of people. But I know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And I, I think, like you said, I think that's important. Whereas, like, yeah, get a guy to hire somebody to to do that aspect of the school, so you can keep that process going. Because, like, like anything, if people stop practicing it, it eventually dies. Right. So it's like, 
So how do, and again, I think that's up on the, 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 the newer black belts who are deciding to opening up schools and like being like, okay, look themselves in the mirror and be like, okay, I can't compete anymore. Do I just want to be a competition school or how do we add this to the community? So it's, it keeps growing bit by bit. Yeah. Well, if uh, you got to take a, <laughs> if, if you want sort of that mixed school that says, you know what, I want it all, which is not, is not wrong. It's just a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So I want to do it all. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for the students. It puts them, the competitors at a disadvantage. Um, but I always say this is if you grab, even if the guy doesn't do self-defense and you grab an average competitor in BJJ, just a guy who's like done a few, say the guy's done five tournaments and you grab him on the street, dude, you're going to have a hard time. Like a normal guy is not going to just go, oh, I'm just going to grab this, this, this guy who's stepped on the mats, trained for five tournaments, walked there, went through that, uh, uh, suffered the injury. You're not just going to run over a guy like that or a girl like that. So even, even just doing the competition and just training jits is a form of self-defense. But um, now you're on the ground rolling and then the whole street scenario comes in mm -hmm. and you, you think you're going to lock up a guy on the street and, and there's curbs to be swung into. You throw a triangle on, you're going to get curbed. So, mm -hmm. but just the strength, the cardiovascular health, the, the mentality and, and the, the fortitude of your average BJJ competitor is going to be hard for just a normal guy who wants to duke it out because he's mad at you. Yeah, no, for sure. So I got one last thing before we kind of wrap up today. And there's always been um, a saying that you've, I've heard you say a couple of times. And again, I'm probably going to paraphrase it because I'll probably fuck it up anyways. But you always <laughs> mentioned that it was, if you were able to catch a submission, a person in a submission, it should almost be like a joke. Is that, that's the end of the punchline. If, they, if they're laughing and it's the joke because you caught them off guard. Is that, yeah. is that am I on on point about that or? Yes, uh, uh, sort of an analogy of of if you're really doing good jits, you don't force it down the other guy's throat. You don't force the submission on. You don't grind it out. Yeah, you you can smash it out and grind it out and then thing at the end. But the the same is if you're smashing me and you're mounted and you smash an armbar out of me by climbing up and S mount me and put your weight on me and you're smashing my skinny little arm out. I'm like, I know the end of, I know the punchline. Mm -hmm. I know the punchline's coming and it's not going to make me laugh. It's not going to make me happy to go. Oh yeah, dude, both of us saw this a half an hour for you to tell me this joke. <laughs> and we both knew the punchline and the way you told the joke wasn't that good. Or, we're smoothly rolling. Uh, you think you have something. I uh, uh, I have something. You have something. I have something. No, yeah. Oh, wait, I got you. And you go, <laughs> and you know that feeling, Aaron. You yeah. might, you guys know that feeling when the guy gets you and you, the first thing you do is what? You just laugh. You, you laugh. You laugh. You go, that was great, dude. You're not like, thanks for fucking telling me that bad joke. The guy told you a great <laughs> joke. You didn't know where the punchline was coming from. You didn't see it coming. You thought you saw it coming. You thought you had the punchline. And he pulls it out on you. The first thing you do is laugh. The other guy laughs too because he just wrote it. Uh, he, he, he didn't force it down your throat. He said the right thing at the right time, the right way, just to make you laugh. 
and 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 as you laugh you're like yeah you'd break my arm if i didn't laugh <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so that's i i always like to play my jujitsu that way i like to do a lot of just fake attacks I, i'll grab your toes for absolutely no reason uh, and just make a lot of stupid nonsensical things and then finally hopefully if i'm smart enough i can hit you with the right punchline at the right time that makes you my friend makes you laugh and make you go you know what i want i'll see you tomorrow dude that was good yeah and that and that's the big thing right it's like great jujitsu nobody gets hurt and everybody's training the next day greatest thing greatest thing in the world and and that's and that's the way it should be so um whoever named it named it correctly yeah no no that's no. always that's always been a saying that's always stuck with me and i've like and i've told that same thing to a lot of different students where it's like white belts, blue belts, and they, they just get caught. And they're just like, they start laughing. I'm like, no, man, this is how it works. This is how, that's the fun part about it. Yeah, that is great. I love it that way. No, excellent. So before we wrap up today, Shot, I, and first thing, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to actually sit down and talk to us about a lot of different stories. It was fascinating to hear your perspective, especially from the early nineties of your origins into jujitsu into to kind of where it is now. Um, is there anything that you kind of want to say before we wrap up today? You know what? I, I always, I always have to come back to this is um, the other day I was doing some work with my middle son on some jujitsu and then I showed him something and the light bulb went on and you could see his face i just showed him something it's just a timing movement kind of thing and the and he totally light bulb went on i'd like to thank master silvio bearing for turning that light bulb on for me because he did that years ago that he showed me something and boom uh, uh richard nanku uh wagney fabiano there's so many other guys uh sean pearson so many guys have showed me stuff that have turned on that light and um, just to watch everybody kind of uh, yourself, Mike included, is trying to propagate mm -hmm. that that feeling of turning on the light. Uh, that's that would be the last word I'd have. Thank you, Silvio Bearing, for turning on the light for me. And hopefully uh, me and Eric can turn on some other lights in the future. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping for I'm hoping for it. I'm looking forward to it. I, f I follow a lot of guys. Um, I don't know. I'm on Instagram. I just follow people on Instagram. So if, if, uh, if you guys, uh, if I have you on Instagram or not, I'm not really sort of savvy. I just scroll through and watch people's sort of things. And, and that to me is, is wonderful. No. Awesome. So no, definitely. Well, like I said, we do appreciate you jumping on here. It's been an awesome conversation. I do hope you had fun as well. Um, we definitely want to have you back on the show again. And then we're gonna. I'm just. I'm trying to get Monkey on because we've had Monkey on the Ace uh, Jiu Jitsu Pro Show. We had him oh, yeah. doing some commentating with us. He got super nervous. We're like, bro, just talk. And then he's just like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> Maybe the first time in my life I've actually seen him scared. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's. You never know how he goes. Like you'll be like, Monkey, what are you talking about, dude? Like, like. He's like, I'm going to mess up. I'm like, you don't think Mike and I have butchered this whole fucking broadcast? Oh, no. Well, any, any well, we, but, we butchered this thing more, time, more times than we can count, especially Aaron. <laughs> Anytime I'm speaking, I'm always like, I think I'm talking too much. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I got that. Point. But um, you know what? Thank you very much, guys, for having me on. Uh, that time just flew past. I hope I didn't blabber on too much. No, no, absolutely not. 
and and um, uh, best of luck. Um, just give me the information because um, I'm in the dark right now. Uh, I've just I've take, taken a sabbatical just to to sort of raise uh, the new the new son, uh, the little guy. So and it's been wonderful for me. This has been sort of like heaven for me, just being able to spend every day, all day with the little guy. Uh, and this is my first sort of splash back into uh, the reality of uh, what I like to do. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. I will definitely send you all the info and where you'll find it and all that stuff. Don't worry about that. I'll get that all to you. Excellent. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you so awesome. much, Professor. We do appreciate it. And we will see you soon. We'll see you soon. Have a great night. You too. Take care. Th all right, thanks guys. for coming on. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. We'll see you soon. <laughs>